0: Welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Linton podcast, coming to you from the Goat Locker Studio in Sevierville, Tennessee. Be sure and check us out and like us on Facebook and Instagram and follow us on Telegram as well as on the website of LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. You can subscribe to notifications on the website to follow the blog there. If you would like to contact the show, just send an email to Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. Again, that is Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. Now, on to the episode. Well, back to another episode covering lies this week. Before I get into the topic, I want to give a shout out to the supporters of this podcast. I don't think there will be time to run the commercials in this episode because what I have to say today is important. So, to Mrs. A.J. DePreece of Proposal Logic, Mr. Glenn Moser of Professional Auto, as well as Kathy and Terry, thank you for supporting this podcast. Your support greatly helps us in getting this message out to the public. Okay, let's get on to the lies. Let's talk about what has become in my opinion, the biggest lie out there right now. In fact, I am guilty of telling myself this lie. In reality, I am coming to the belief that the biggest lie out there right now is that we have a political solution to the mess our republic is in. I tell myself this lie a lot because the alternative is not a pretty thought. You all know what I'm talking about, too. It is called many different things, but I've learned to call it the big snap. It is my sincere prayer that there could be a political solution to our problems right now, but I am coming firmly to the belief or the realization that we have passed the point of a political solution to our problems. And I'm not sure we can turn it around either. There are too many entrenched mechanisms that have been put into place to ensure we continue down the path that our nation has been on for decades now. And why are these mechanisms in place? Well, it is because of this big truth that is behind the big lie. And the big truth is, our government hates us. And by us, I mean the individuals in this country, that believe in the foundational principles established in our Constitution, and not the ones as interpreted by justices on the Supreme Court, according to their political leanings. It's we that believe in the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that those rights are inalienable, meaning they come from our Creator and do not come from government. That government is instituted among mankind to preserve and protect those rights. Us is also those people that love God Almighty, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for our sins so that we can have an eternal relationship with our Creator, and that the Holy Bible is the inerrant Word of God, not subjected to modern interpretation. Us is the people that know with certainty that our Republic was created by men of profound faith that laid out the proper path for this great experiment in self-governance. Our government, they, hate us because we are the only ones left standing in the way of their complete destruction of our republic and our constitution. They hate us because we are standing in the way of their complete and total control over every aspect of our lives. They hate us because we love liberty and believe in liberty. They hate us because we have principles and we resolutely stand by them. Government officials, elected or otherwise, along with their enablers in the media, have zero principles. Their positions and their principles change by the minute. The only steadfast principle, so I'm mistaken, they do have one principle, and the steadfast principle they have is obtaining and maintaining power by any means possible, even through the destruction of our constitutional republic. Because power is their drug. As I have said before, this hate for us has been growing for more than a hundred years now. Ever since the passage of the 16th Amendment, the government has worked diligently to rob us of our sweat equity which in turn robs us of our liberty. The only purpose of that income tax was to grow the size and scope of the federal government. It has nothing to do with national security, but everything to do with political power security. This has been a growing topic of discussion with many people recently. The pace of this radical takeover of every aspect of our lives has hit high gear in November of 2022. Government and their media lackeys like to go about telling the lie that the quote-unquote big lie is about the fraudulent election. Sane people do not need to have the evidence accepted in a court of law to be considered evidence. We have all seen the improbable vote tally shifts in the middle of the night. We have all read the publicly available affidavits of witnesses to the shenanigans in every swing state in our country. We have seen the videos of the late night after deadlines ballot drops at counting centers in various states. We have seen the video of multiple machine countings of the same batch of ballots. We have seen the states not following their own legislature's laws on elections. And the mail-in voting and the ballot harvesting and the voter registration irregularities. We have all seen this. But those in the media And those in the halls of government right now, they keep pounding it into us that all of that does not matter, that this election was all on the up and up. They do so in the hopes that it will all soon be forgotten, especially by those people who are the most apathetic in our republic, the ones that just want to be left alone to earn a living and provide for their families. While their ability to earn a living and provide for their families is eroded by the same government they're choosing to ignore. The ones that do not want to be canceled for their publicly expressed belief of a fraudulent election. The fear of the woke mob. Never mind that they know that the election was fraudulent. They control the narrative and are exceeding in either dumbing down the entire electorate or punishing the parts of the electorate who do not believe their lies. Just look at how social media sites and internet search engines have behaved since the election, and even just prior to it. A mere mention of fraud gets you banned from the new public square. Oh, and that does not apply just to the election. It applies to anything they consider dangerous to their position of power. The bottom line is, the government of the United States of America... Hates the law-abiding citizens that still believe in the inherent goodness of our republic. If you doubt me on this, tell me why. Just don't try to shout me down or silence me or report me and get me banned. I'm willing to debate anybody on this. Bring it. Don't appeal to the big tech oligarchs to silence what you consider dangerous or misleading speech. Prove me Wrong. Try and mention the vaccine in a positive or negative way on social media and you get your post tagged. Why? Because there's an agenda. Try and mention the fraudulent election on social media and you get your post tagged, squashed, or removed. You also risk getting yourself banned from social media for doing so. Why? If opposing opinions are banned, what are you left with? Of course, Just the approved opinion. The group think. Right now we have this spokesperson for the Taliban. A terroristic regime that is allowed on Twitter. Yet the 45th president of the United States is not allowed on Twitter or Facebook. Tell me what is right with that. Is that what our republic was formed on? Where only one opinion is allowed in the public square? Of course not. But the supporters of this big, and getting bigger by the minute, government support that. They support dissenting opinions being removed from the public square. The supporters in our society lack principles too. Just look at the events that have transpired since the election and tell me I'm wrong. The current occupier of the Oval Office has a track record of poor Performance in government for more than 40 years. He has a verifiable record that no sane person would want as the head of the executive branch of our government, the face of our country to the entire world. So, based upon his track record before November 2020, the results of the past seven months should not be any surprise. We have the highest crime rate in decades because the man, quote unquote, elected. To the presidency of the United States of America is the titular head of a political party that wants to defund the police all over the country, as well as cheerleading riots all over the country in 2020. What could possibly go wrong with putting that political party in power? You see it everywhere. Your government hates you. How about the politicization of the Centers for Disease Control and the vaccines and masks? I'm old enough to remember when the current vice president of the United States was against the vaccine because it was developed by Orange Man Bad. Go ahead, take a listen. If the Trump administration approves a vaccine before or after the election, should Americans take it and would you take it? If the public health professionals, if Dr. Fauci, if the doctors tell us that we should take it. I'll be the first in line to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us I should ta- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. What's her position now? Well, now this woman is held up as an example to all young girls in our nation for what is possible in our country. She was never labeled as an anti-vaxxer for her previous position. And just what kind of example for young girls is she? The example that you can sleep with people in liberal positions of power to fuel your ascendancy to the top of the political world? I'm sorry, but that is not what I taught my daughter. I would hope that no parent of any young lady in our country would want their daughter to sleep their way to the top. How many different or even complete opposite positions has the CDC had throughout this COVID pandemic? It's enough to make people dizzy, confused. I even see recent posts on social media from celebrity liberals out in Hollywood that are becoming skeptical about their policies and their recommendations lately. While I will often cheer them on when the left starts eating their own, in the case of the CDC and its positions over the past 18 to 19 months, it has come at the cost of liberty and the livelihoods of American citizens. First, there was no masks. Then wear masks. Then double or triple masks. Then no masks if you get the vaccine. The vaccine is safe. Let's put a pause on one of the manufacturer's vaccines. Let's restore it. You're safe if you get the vaccine. Well, maybe not safe. You don't have to mask if you get the vaccine. Wait, you still have to wear a mask. Oh, and you might spread COVID even if you are vaccinated. You might need to get double, triple, quadruple, five booster shots even if you've had COVID and have now established natural immunity. It is completely crazy. It has gotten to government at all levels too, even the local. School boards all over the country masking our children despite the science. Why? Power is the only reason. How can we believe the CDC and anybody in government anymore? You have old Dr. Fraudy stating to a major media outlet that he is asking quote-unquote anti-vaxxers to cast aside personal liberties. Well, first, that's a typical tactic by power-hungry leftists. First, they have to label the opposition as a fringe element, hence the term anti-vaxxers. Let's just lump everybody that is vaccine hesitant into that category. But not everybody. In fact, the vast majority of people that are hesitant to receive the COVID vaccine are not typically anti-vaxxers. But they have to label them as such to put them in the fringe elements. Fraud is an employee of the federal government. And he is sowing division by labeling people that believe in freedom and liberty as the enemy of everybody else. He is definitely an enemy of liberty and our Constitution. No true citizen of this republic would ever ask people to set aside their personal liberties, especially to submit to an experimental drug. Do you want to hear an interesting little fact that was found in a study conducted by Carnegie Mellon University and the University of Pittsburgh? Now, you will not see this fact being widely reported on, but I'll hang the study up on the blog today and you can read it for yourself. When breaking down hesitancy groups by education level, guess which demographic is the most resistant? Remember, talking heads in government and in the media are routinely vilifying the anti-vaxxers as rubes and rednecks, well, the group consisting of people with PhDs are the most hesitant. They're supposed to be the smartest people around, right? Well, PhDs and another demographic of black Americans are the most hesitant to receiving this vaccine. Well, black Americans in this country do have a valid reason to distrust the government and its medical treatments, just look up the Tuskegee experiment. So, they have sound logic behind their decision to resist the experimental vaccine. But no, we cannot highlight those facts. You have to wonder why, don't you? But back to the PhDs, though. Why are the most educated among us holding the highest hesitancy in getting the jab? Do they know something we don't? No matter what mainstream media you watch or listen to or read from, there is a common theme to the types of people that are expressing hesitancy about getting the jab. For the most part, it is reported that those that are the most hesitant to becoming a test subject for the pharmaceutical industry are the rubes and the Trump supporters that live in flyover country. Then the study also went on to break down hesitancy by politics. Why? Of course, you all know the why. Anything to tie something they consider wrong or counter to their agenda, they have to tie it to orange man bad. Those are the facts from the study that receives the most coverage. Political beliefs are what need to be highlighted, not the education level or the race of the most resistant. Have you ever heard about a study about medication being analyzed by political affiliation? I haven't. One of the authors of this study is even quoted as saying, and I quote, this finding really highlights the politicization of public health recommendations. Really? How about breaking down the data by political affiliation is the actual politicization of the experimental jab? Your government hates you. Then there is the situation on our southern border right now. Exacerbated by individual state governments that do not stand up to the federal government in fear of losing funding, we are on track right now for more than 2 million illegal aliens entering our country this year alone and suckling at the government teat, which is fueled by our sweat equity. These millions of illegal aliens are lured here with promises of amnesty and citizenship by the federal government, granting citizenship to tens of millions of people, tens of millions, because there are untold millions already here, who broke the law to enter the country and take advantage of the benefits that our government first steals from us, diluting our birthright citizenship. To what end? To obtain and maintain power, all at the expense of taxpaying, law abiding. Legal citizens. Your government hates you. How about the once illustrious Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation? It has been weaponized against those same tax paying, law abiding legal citizens. For years, the cries of collusion and peepee tapes was the rallying cry of the big government aristocracy and their media lackeys, or dozens of agents sent to investigate garage door pools all to hinder and handicap an outsider that was elected as the President of the United States of America. Also, with current news reports of the Attorney General of the United States looking to prosecute individual states for conducting forensic audits of the 2020 election, or the refusal to prosecute true obstruction of justice by now soon-to-be former Governor Como, and his cover-up of the thousands of nursing home deaths from covid due to his executive orders. Nope, they sure can't investigate and prosecute actual crimes. They have to investigate and hinder any movement that restores liberty and freedom to the legal citizens of our republic. Your government hates you. Now let's talk about the crushing amount of debt that is being piled on our backs. The usurpers, the political class, or the new aristocracy, whatever you want to call them which includes members of both major political parties, are spending our nation into oblivion. They are on a trillion dollars of debt per month average at the moment. I mean, our national debt in funded and unfunded obligations was already insurmountable, but it looks like they are in a race to spend more money than has ever been in circulation in the history of the world. Why? Why? to force the people into generational debt bondage, to force a collapse of our constitutional republic and its free market system, and to create the largest nanny state the world has ever seen. After all, our government doesn't spend all of our sweat equity within our borders. Under the guise of foreign aid and diplomacy, our sweat equity fuels the activities of governments all over the world. Why? To obtain and maintain power. Our government is actually borrowing money from countries that hate us, only to turn around and give it back to those same governments just to appease them. It is one of the biggest money laundering schemes in history. No, correct that. It is the biggest money laundering scheme in the history of mankind. Your government hates you. How about the usurper recently literally begging the other oil-producing countries around the planet to increase their production to bring the oil prices down around the globe because it's negatively affecting his image. Meanwhile, his administration has done its best to curtail domestic energy production to appeal climate change groups here at home and abroad. What does that accomplish? It places our once temporary energy-independent nation at the mercy of other countries around the globe, countries that hate the United States of America and what it stands for, or more correctly, what it used to stand for. It further hastens the downfall of our constitutional republic. Your government hates you. Now let's talk about the latest debacle in Afghanistan, and don't forget The old usurper-in-chief is still blaming that on Orange Man Bad. Wow, I just can't believe the events over the past few days has brought on a bunch of emotions in me. First, let me say I was definitely not in favor of what was going on over there in the first place. As a strict constitutionalist, our involvement in any armed conflict since the end of World War II has been unconstitutional. Only the Congress can declare war and send our sons and daughters off to battle. Politicians of all stripes have played the game of fighting conflicts without declaring war for decades now. After the attacks of 9-11, our spineless politicians in Congress should have declared war. The reasons why they didn't are varied, but all wrong. If you are keeping score... What major armed conflict has the United States of America been involved in that resulted in a complete victory since the end of World War II? The last declared war we were in. It would be a grand total of zero. After World War II, what was next? Korea. Is there victory there? Nope, we're still in a draw. Vietnam. Is there victory there? Nope, an embarrassing retreat. Iraq, is there a victory there? How many times are we going to go back into that country? Panama, is there victory there? What country is in control of the Panama Canal? Afghanistan, is there victory there? Well, we've all seen the images these past few days of what happens when weak leadership is in charge, haven't we? It is my belief that with the advent of near instantaneous communications... The people with skin in the game lost the ability to control the outcomes of armed conflict. From Korea until now, wars have been planned and fought out in skiffs in Washington, D.C. The commanders in the field, often covered in the blood of the people they lead, lost the ability to kill the enemy and break their stuff and take the initiative when it was required. Couple that with the progressives near total takeover of the culture and society, and in the military, has rendered whatever lethality we do possess as impotent in the face of whatever flavor of the day is the most important to the usurpers in Washington, D.C. Our joint force has been compromised by leaders who no longer have the intestinal fortitude to tell the emperor and his lackeys and the entire Congress that they are not wearing any clothes. The scenes that played out on television all over the world the past few days are just a prelude to what American leadership on the world stage is becoming. Our enemies are emboldened. Our allies no longer trust us. We're doomed. China's already looking to take over Taiwan. Taiwan is already nervous because they see America on retreat. We are doomed, and it's not from a foreign adversary. It's to a civil war within our own borders. Going into Afghanistan after 9-11 to eliminate those responsible for conducting those attacks and the regimes that enabled it was absolutely the right thing to do, but it was not done properly. With a formal declaration of war. Total war. Why didn't the Congress declare war? Of course, to give them a cover in case anything went wrong. They abdicated their constitutional authority and responsibility which should not surprise anybody. When has Congress and those elected to it actually read that document, the Constitution of the United States of America? I would argue never because they hate it. The only time they partially read it is to find ways around it. They read it to find ways to interpret it in their favor, twisting the plain language of that document to enable the erosion of our liberty. Do not doubt me on this. There are people in Congress right now drafting and proposing legislation to require citizens to obtain vaccine passports in order to travel freely about the country. They always cite in their constitutional authority statement, Article 1, Section 8, on all of their legislation. And I challenge anyone that listens to this podcast or those that follow my blog or anything to look at every single clause in Section 8 of Article 1, and tell me which one gives the Congress the authority to issue mandates for vaccine passports. You will not be able to find it because it is not there. The Constitution, and specifically the enumerated powers in Article 1, Section 8 of that document, are there to limit government's authority, not the people's. Yet here we are at this point in time because an apathetic electorate has let the power-hungry elected members of Congress get away with doing the same thing for decades now. They are comfortable in their ability to rob us of our liberty because we will not act. This point that we are at is more than likely past the point of no return. Our government has grown into what we fought a revolution to escape. They are tyrants, only concerned with In the words of the esteemed Dr. Fraudji, getting us to give up our personal liberties. Where is the national outcry about a member of our government and a non-elected one at that, asking for the citizens to give up their personal liberty? In a perfect world, Dr. Fraudji would be on a Pinochet-style helicopter ride after making that statement in the media, and the media doesn't even call them out on it. Yet what is happening? Nothing. Because we, as an electorate, have grown complacent. We have grown apathetic. But let's get back to Afghanistan, though. The right reasons for going there. The wrong way. Then it went completely wrong. What the heck did ending the lives of the bad guys responsible for 9-11 have to do with nation-building? History has proven that is an impossible task there. The British Empire tried it and failed. The Soviet Union tried it and failed. The level of hubris that our elected officials had was ginormous in thinking the outcome would be different if we did it. Well, the new aristocracy, the usurpers, have been quite successful in remaking our republic over the past 100 years. So it must have given them the false confidence that they could do it in that part of the world. And the same thing applies to Iraq. Our armed forces have a simple mission. It is to kill the enemy and break their stuff in the defense of the Constitution of the United States of America. It is to completely remove the enemy's ability to wage war upon our nation. Using it for any other purpose is reckless and wrong. It is also proving disastrous. I know several people that have served in both theaters and a few of them seriously wounded. I also know a couple of people that lost their lives obeying the orders of the civilian authority to conduct nation building in those areas. And based upon the results, how do you think they are feeling now? Not only did our government send them off in an undeclared war without very clear objectives and hinder them With extremely restrictive rules of engagement that all but guaranteed zero victory, these veterans now see us retreating and abandoning allies in our efforts to a brutal regime that will no doubt kill them. In other words, our National Command Authority abandoned and betrayed not only our allies in the area, but everybody that has served in those theaters of conflict. By not passing a constitutionally required declaration of war, they can now play the blame game in our nation's capital, just a couple of miles from the cemetery that contains the remains of all of those they sent to battle. Thousands of our best and brightest perished in an unconstitutional conflict, and now their sacrifice and the sacrifices of the families they left behind is all for naught. Our government hates us. They will do and say anything to obtain and maintain power and we are so deep into it that there may be no way out other than a horrible way. I will always pray that this is not the case and I will work my hardest to avoid what may be inevitable conflict. I will support others that work hard standing in the arena to prevent the unthinkable but it may be inevitable. Why? Because our government hates us. They hate our constitution. They hate our liberty. It wants complete power over every aspect of our lives. The liberal cries of my body, my choice, are a lie. They want everybody to be a subject of the government, not a citizen. They hate free will. I know there are people that still have complete trust in our armed forces. It is still one of the most respected, if not the most respected, part of our government. But, and especially since our National Command Authority has determined that our biggest enemies are terms like white supremacy, anti-vaxxers, Tea Party, constitutionalists, climate change deniers, and on and on and on. Our government is training our military to hate the citizens too. The usurpers have turned the focus of our National Defense Resources From external threats to perceived internal threats. These internal threats are us, are we, the us that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. So be prepared. Maybe not for direct involvement in conflict, but be prepared to protect your homes and your families. Start stocking up for the inevitable beans, rice, water, and bullets. I have spoken with many people over the past few days about this too. Many of them hate the prospect, but they too see the inevitability of it. I'm not saying to abandon the work of standing in the arena and trying to fix our government. I am saying to be prepared for if or when those efforts fail. I hope you can tell that I'm really fired up about this. And this last week's episodes of the goings-on in Afghanistan has got my blood boiling. I hope to calm down soon. And before I close the show, I would like to leave you with this from God's Word. Job 27.4 My lips will not say anything wicked, and my tongue will not utter lies. That is true for the us. It is not true for our government. Because our government hates us and they consistently utter lies. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. readily, it's time to wake up.